Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Monday edition of the Orange to Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cavanaugh. Hey, Mary Kay, edition of the podcast. Questions from our Football Insider subscribers, our text subscribers. And as you could imagine, Mary Kay, they have a lot of questions about the trade the Browns made this weekend, bringing in Zadarius Smith, um, and a lot of excitement about this trade. So let's just start there. Jamie from Bethany, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay, with the trade for Zadarius Smith, is Zadarius now more of the 2021 Jadavian Clowney role in Oboe, more the Tack McKinley, or do you see them more as co-number twos, where each of them will have a role size sort of in between the Clowney level and the Tack level? You know what? That's a really, really good question. And once again, you and I say this all the time, Dan, we just get the best questions from our text subscribers. We really do. And we really appreciate them. And this is a great question. Um, And the truth is that I've been digging into a lot of this over the last few days. The truth of the matter is the way they have it set right now is that this should not adversely impact Oboe's snaps. It really isn't supposed to do this. If you look globally at Jim Schwartz's snaps, if you're just looking at the end snaps, and they've got a lot of flexibility on the line, but if you're just looking at the end snaps, and let's say there's 65 snaps in a game, you've got 130 to dole out. So what he will do for the most part is divide them up pretty evenly. Now, Miles might get more than the other two a little bit, but for the most part, he's going to roll these guys in on either side and uh, and keep them really super fresh throughout the game and also keep the opponent off guard by rolling them in and rotating them like that. So they always were going to go out and get another edge rusher. They've been looking for one for months. In fact, they thought about signing Melvin Ingram, who's now, I think, almost 34 or 34 years old or something like that. But they were going to go out and get that other Jadavian Clowney type of guy. But they still really like Oboe a lot. This does not necessarily mean that he's going to lose snaps. It means that they have a three-way rotation of their outside edge rushers. And maybe not just three-way, because they can include Dalvin Tomlinson in the rotation as well at times. So there will be times where, depending on uh, you know what kind of front they're using, uh, that, that they, he will be part of that rotation too. So then you'll have four rushers, okay, four main primary rushers in the rush rotation. The person that it does impact sort of negatively is Alex Wright, because now Alex Wright is bumped kind of out of the rotation. But this is not new information. We knew that they were going to sign this sort of Jadavian Clowney other edge. So, you know, it's not like all of a sudden on Friday, uh, Alex Wright became the odd man out. We knew that this was going to happen, uh, that that they needed to bring at least one other good veteran edge in here. Yeah, I, I think those are the guys, him, Isaiah Thomas, you know, Isaiah McGuire, it, it kind of makes it so that he doesn't have to, to have as huge an impact as a rookie. Those are the guys that I think get most affected. But we've been talking about this on the pod all offseason, too. Like, they didn't give Oboe $10 million a year. They didn't give him a Jadavian Clowney contract. They kind of paid him, like not like a third edge rusher, but they, they paid him like a guy that was going to be part of a rotation. And I mean, you said it, go back to those Eagles years and that, that Eagles Super Bowl year, they just kept, they throw bodies at it. That's what Jim Schwartz does. He wants guys to be fresh and it's going to be good for miles too, because now like miles can come out for a series or two and it's going to be Oboe on one side and Zadarius Smith on the other. And then, you know, maybe an Alex Wright or a, or, or, 
Isaiah McGuire can kind of rotate in uh, on that second unit. You just have you have the ability now to give Miles some time off. And I think that's really important, too, because we've seen him uh, for various reasons. It hasn't always just been fatigue, but we've seen him fade, you know, late in seasons at times. Yes, absolutely. This way, you know, you can try to keep him fresh for that, uh, not only for the Super Bowl run that you want to make, but also for his own personal NFL Defensive Player of the Year run uh, that he would like to make. So it'll be good for him from that standpoint. And the other thing is they will play a lot more five-man fronts, um, five-man down on their off on their defensive line uh, than they have in the past. And so therefore, you know, you can use more of those guys and uh, it's just a matter of where you want to put them. And they have position flexibility with a number of them. You can rush. One of the reasons, one of the main reasons why they traded for Zadarius Smith is because they can rush him from the inside. So you can have Miles, Oboe, Zadarius, Dalvin, and another defensive lineman, Siaki or somebody on on the defensive line at any given time. You know, they can have five guys up there and, and they will do that at times. So, you know, I think people should kind of be ready for that. But certainly this will keep these guys fresh. Um, but when you have someone that can produce like Zadarius Smith can produce, I mean, my goodness, is this going to help everybody? All he has to do is be the player that he was. And I just posted a column about this about 20 minutes ago, depending on whether you got the version with the story in it or actually without the story. In it. Uh, the first one didn't have the actual text in it. I, I sent out the wrong thing. But um, but anyways, so I just wrote a column about all of this and how this is why they are not worried about the fact that Zadarius Smith fell off a cliff. And we might get a question about that. So I don't want to jump that if we got a question like that, Dan. Uh, we didn't. So you can go ahead. I don't think we got a question specific to that. Okay. So basically, uh, you know, in a nutshell, the, the Cliff's notes or the bottom line on, on what happened with Zadarius Smith, he got a knee contusion in the Buffalo game on November 13th. He was never really the same after that. He had 55 pressures in his first nine games. And he had eight and a half sacks in his first seven games of the season. His last seven games of the season, he only had a half a sack. And his last like seven games of the season also, he only had 23 pressures. So he really dropped off that cliff. And that was for a number of reasons. He got a knee contusion against the Buffalo Bills. That didn't help matters, okay? That really hurt him. And he acknowledged that that was part of the problem. But on top of that, Teams just started taking him out of the game. I mean, he was wrecking the game, wrecking the game. So they started doubling him, tripling him, whatever they had to do to take him out of the game. He was at the two games, the Buffalo game and the Washington game before that, he had nine pressures in each of those games. Two weeks before that, he had 11 pressures, a season high. He ended up fourth in the NFL with 78 pressures. That was five more than Miles Garrett. And I mean, he just, he was having a monster season. He was on pace for NFL defensive player of the year. I mean, when he had eight and a half sacks after seven weeks, he was tied for number one in the NFL with those sacks with Matthew Judon of New England. And he was just on a holy rolling terror. And then he just kind of disappeared for a number of those reasons that we talked about. But the key thing to remember is even though 
he kind of disappeared a little bit from the stat sheet, both in terms of sacks and pressures. He was still very disruptive. And that's what you need these rushers to be in Jim Schwartz's defense. You need them to be wreaking havoc. You need them to be disruptive. You need them to be forcing the quarterback hurries, forcing them to get the ball out quickly. You need them to be messing up the quarterback. And he was still doing that. And he was also opening things up for Daniil Hunter, fellow Vikings rusher, who ended up with 10 and a half sacks himself. So there you had two guys with double-digit sacks. And that's probably what's going to happen with him and Miles. And who knows, maybe even Oba. Okay, so you had touched on this a little bit, but this question comes from Dave in Denver. Uh, Hey, Mary Kay, the Zadarius acquisition has me very excited. Obviously, he'll be a very nice bookend to Miles, but I think this unlocks so many blitz packages because of his flexibility. Could you break down some of the ways the front seven could attack? Moving Z and Miles inside, outside, some kind of ultimate NASCAR package, creating gaps for JOK. Uh, Dave says he just sees so many possibilities and the Browns secondary should be pretty capable of backing them up. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got all of these guys can play on the inside. You know, we know that they can play on the inside. They can play on the outside. Once again, even Dalvin can play on the outside so they can rush from the interior, which which Zedarius does very, very well. We know Miles does that very well. We've seen him do that. Um, So. They can do that with those guys. It gives them the flexibility to uh, to use four defensive linemen, five defensive linemen. Maybe sometimes they'll only use three, but they have so many good ones. Why would you do that? Uh, I think more often than not, you'll see more than fewer. Um, but yeah, you can you can be so versatile. So creative. Um, Now, Jim Schwartz traditionally likes to mostly rush four, and in some cases five. He's not a huge, huge blitz guy. I mean, he's he's not. But with all of these guys that you have up front, you know, you you might not have to worry about that that much. It might not be that much of an issue. Although fans do love the blitz, you know, players love to blitz. Uh, It's not a huge part of, of Jim Schwartz's game, but they will do it some. Okay, so this was an an interesting question kind of off this acquisition from John S. York in Pennsylvania. Hey, Mary Kay, uh, you've you've said in the past that Miles Garrett is protective of his turf. How do you think he'll get along with Oboe and Zadarius and vice versa? Well, you know, it really seemed like he was already trying to figure out ways to bond with with Oboe. I feel like he was, uh, you know, just welcoming him with open arms. And from what I understand, from what I've heard, uh, he has given the thumbs up to this move. And we do know in the past that he has been territorial, that he's like, no, we don't need Bradley Chubb. We don't need Gerald McCoy. But I think he's now at that point in his career where he realizes and sees the benefit of another double digit sacker that can take that pressure off of him, that can take some of those bodies off of him. He's getting, you know, now he's heading into his, is it seventh or eighth season? And he, which one is it? Do you know? <laughs> um, I'm doing the math that. in my head. He was a 2018, 2017 pick. Yeah. And it's 20, so this is seven? Yeah. Seven sounds is right. It? We'll say seven. <laughs> so, uh, you know, once you start to get up there a little bit and you have a lot of wear and tear on your body, you start to see the wisdom in getting help 
in the form of another rusher that can take on some of those extra blockers at times. And Zadarius Smith will take on extra blockers. I mean, my goodness, he has had and he has averaged 12 sacks a year over his last three healthy seasons and made the Pro Bowl each one of those years. So I think Miles understands that, wow, yeah, it might be nice to uh to not have to be having two extra blockers on me every single down. Uh, so I think he will welcome a player like Sidarius. And it also turned out, we found out, Jadavion Clowney was very territorial also. And it ended in the end, it just didn't really work between the two. Jadavion was jealous of, of what Miles got to do. You know, as long as, you know, Oboe's not going to be that guy, I, I don't think. He doesn't really have that that kind of, you know, he's just not that guy yet. He's not of that status yet. And Zadarius Smith, he's got to know. He's coming in, and this is Miles Garrett's team. So I, I think that's part of it, too, the equation of, um, you know, how do the other guys sort of sort of meld into that? And how, you know, like, are, are they cool with Miles just kind of showing up and being Miles because he's, he's the man on that defensive line? And clearly Jadavion was not. Uh, but, you, you know, you would hope that that was instructive to Andrew Barry as he went out and brought in edge rushers to kind of pair with Miles. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, Jadavian Clowney had also been a number one overall pick. And his career didn't go exactly the way that he wanted it to because he had to have microfracture surgery after suffering this knee injury in his first pro game. So his career was, you know on the rocks right from the start because of that. And he was able to overcome that. It's hard to, it's hard to come back from microfracture surgery. You have to let your knee sort of uh, create its own form of cartilage. It's, it's a very complicated thing that has to happen in there. And he was never really the same after that. And I think that was very, very difficult for him because he was a nightmare in college and he has been a nightmare at times in the pros. I mean, he, you know, when he's good, he's really, really good. But he did have that little bit of, hey, what about me thing with Miles. And that's not what you can have on this defense. You you know, Zadarius Smith is going to have to come in kind of knowing that Miles is the alpha dog on that defensive line. And that if they are, if they want to, they're going to flip flop um, and put Zadarius Smith over Ronnie Stanley, instead of giving him to Miles Garrett. That's what happened with Jadavian Clowney in that game, that first game, that loss in, to Baltimore. And Jadavian didn't want to do it, so he refused to go in on anything but third down. And he, he had to be asked to do that by former defensive line coach Chris Kiffin. He was kind of like, hey, will, will you at least go in on third down for me? Like, he had to be asked, okay? So, you know, that, that kind of stuff can't happen. I mean, that cannot happen. Um, and you would think that Zadarius would know coming in kind of who the leader of the line is, who the alpha dog is. If he doesn't know it yet, he probably will figure it out pretty quickly uh, because this is this is Miles's turf. Okay, obviously a lot of questions just about the defense in general off of this trade, and we'll continue looking at the defensive line here. This comes from Anise Barner in Toledo, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, uh, we already know Dalvin Tomlinson is a starter. Who will start next to him? Jordan Elliott, Siaki Ika, who starts next to Dalvin Tomlinson? You know what? It's a good question. It's a good question. I mean, I think there are times where uh, they will try to find a way to get their best uh, four or five linemen out there on the field, regardless of whether or not they're a traditional 
tackle or a traditional end. So there will be times, once again, you know, where, you know, in the event that there's four, you could have, you know, Zadarius on the inside with his very good friend, by the way, Dalvin Tomlinson from the Minnesota Vikings. They're very good pals. Um, So, you know, that could happen. You know, you could have uh, Miles, Oboe, Zadarius, and Dalvin out there uh, on any given play. Um, As Siaki comes along, they have high hopes for him. Maybe he gets out there sooner than later. Maybe Jordan Elliott takes another step up this year. So I think that second defensive tackle spot uh, is, is going to be uh, you know, one that we're really going to be looking at a lot in training camp. You have other guys that have played in Maurice Hurst and Tristan Hill. So these guys are going to be out there vying for playing time as well. The key now is that they have really good competition at a lot of these spots. They've got a lot of bodies at defensive tackle. Now they've got a sufficient amount of bodies at defensive end. And, uh, and there's going to be a lot of fireworks at those spots in training camp. And, and we're going to have a better grasp on some of this starting next week too, when we will be out there for our first look at OTAs. Um, and you know, they, sometimes those are just sort of default, but every now and again, you show up and Jacob Phillips is working with the ones at the middle linebacker position and you realize, Oh, maybe they really want Jacob to win that job. So we're, we're going to get some eyeballs on kind of who's playing where and, and who's playing next to whom. And, um, so, so that's, that's coming next week when OTAs start. That's really kind of the value of getting to watch those. Uh, one, one less practice we get to watch this year than normal, but that's, that's going to be the value of watching those five practices and OTAs and, and mini camp. All right. One more defensive question. And then we're going to get our break in here. This comes from Steve in Philadelphia. So he's probably very familiar with Jim Schwartz and his defense. Hey, Mary Kay, why is this team ignoring the linebacker position? Jim Schwartz had good linebackers in Philly and the severity of injuries in that room are scary. Yeah, I mean, it it continues to be one of those positions where we're going to keep asking, like, what about the linebackers? What about the linebackers? For starters, it's not a super premium position for them, okay? If they could find another good linebacker somewhere, they'll add that linebacker. But they're not pressed to do that. They don't feel you know, that they really need to go out and commit a lot of resources to another linebacker right now, because in part, once again, for them, it's not a super premium position. You let those dogs up front eat, and then the linebackers kind of clean up what they don't get or they miss or whatever. Uh, That's part of it. And then the other part of it is the fact that they really do believe that, that these guys are coming back healthy. I mean, they have faith that Jacob Phillips, these guys all ended last season for all or most of the season on, on injured reserve with serious injuries, but they, they really believe that Jacob Phillips, torn pec, Anthony Walker Jr., torn quad, quadricep, that's a big thing to come back from in your leg, um, Sione Takitaki, torn ACL, that's a very tough thing to come back from as soon as he's going to need to. Um, and then um, who else, Dan? They've got other, some other. Did we meant, let's see, we did Walker, Phillips, Taki Taki, JOK coming off the foot injury. Oh, that's it, JOK, I'm sorry. JOK coming off of the mid foot sprain. That's not nothing, okay? Just because he did not undergo surgery 
doesn't mean that that's not a significant injury. It is a significant injury. It takes healing. It takes time. So, um, so we'll have to see how all these guys do. But if you get them out there on the grass together and they are all healthy, that's a pretty darn good linebacking core. We've seen Sione Takitaki jump off the, the page over, over the last year. He really did a nice job last year. And then JOK, I think he's going to step it up this year. Last year, you know, it was a really difficult year for him. He was coming off the tragic offseason murder of his brother. I mean, it, that, he's very, very close to his brother. They're one year apart. And, you know, we, we respected his privacy as we should have. But that was a very, very difficult thing for him to deal with, obviously, last year. So this year, you know, he might be a little, you know, a little bit better emotionally than he was last year. He might be a little bit better physically than he was at this time last year. I'm sure he will be. Um, so if he gets back to, you know, the the level that they want him to be at, I mean, he can be dynamite in this defense. It frees him up to, you know, to play side to side, to use his range, to use his speed, to cover, to blitz, to to do all the things that he can do. So, you know, I think that, you know, that could be something that people are kind of forgetting about a little bit. Jacob Phillips, you know, they, they have wanted Jacob Phillips to start for several years. And, you know, last year, Anthony Walker beat him out for the starting middle linebacker job. You know, then Jacob got in there because of injury and then he got injured. But, you know, he's somebody that they really, really like a lot. So they have some some good potential and some and some good talent there. It's just a matter of getting it on the field and keeping it there. Yeah, this should be a, a really fun defense, I think, for a guy like JOK to play in and a guy like Taki Taki to play in. And honestly, like it you know, before this weekend, if if we had sat down and said, what are the areas of this team that, that need to be addressed? I still don't think linebacker, you know, I don't know that it's not the best room in the AFC North. It's not the, you know, we have seen, like you said, that's not a value position. We And we've kind of seen that play out and what they've invested in it. But I, I still think that that third edge rusher was more important than linebacker. And I, you know, I think what they have in that room is probably good enough in Jim Schwartz's defense. I, I just, I, if, if you're expecting them to go out and make some big move at linebacker, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to continue to hope that these young guys continue to develop and kind of rely on maybe some, you know, bottom of the roster veterans like they did last year. Yeah, I mean, if if a trade opportunity presents itself, they certainly won't pass it up. But I don't think they're going to commit a lot of resources to it. I don't think they're going to go out and give up some good player that they have on the roster right now to do it. I think they feel comfortable with what they have. They'll continue to look around. They'll probably add some, you know, back-end players that, you know, might surprise some people a little bit. But I think they feel pretty comfortable with what they have so far. Okay, Mary Kay, you mentioned uh, trade possibilities. We got a question about trade possibilities. So we will hit that question on the other side of our break here. And welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast here on a Monday. This comes from Scott in Columbus. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think the Browns are done trading or might they have another one in the works? If there's another one in the works, would they have to wait for the June 1st money? And of course, he's talking about the money that comes from uh, JJ3. And also, I, I guess technically, Jadavion Clowney was a, was a post-June 1st release. 
Uh, yeah, you know what? They they might have to do that. They might not. I don't I don't really think uh, that that would be a huge factor. Of course, it would depend on what you're trading and and what you're acquiring and how you structure the contract. I mean, sometimes you acquire a guy and then you restructure the contract by giving him an upfront signing bonus and you lower the cap number down to like a million dollars. So those kinds of things can happen too. The thing about the Browns is they're always poised and situated to be able to make whatever move they want to make. They're brilliant capologists. They know how to do this. Uh, They have it down to a fine science. So if they see somebody next week that they want to trade for, they can find a way to do it. But as you mentioned, they will be coming into uh, a little bit more money also after June 1st. And sometimes Sometimes team, sometimes things come available after June 1st that you didn't know were going to be available or a trade possibility uh, comes up around that time. Uh, so, yeah, things could, you know, that's just another one of those uh, dates on the calendar that you kind of want to circle in red and, and see that, you know, something might happen. A date on the calendar that is getting really close. Uh, it's all kind of it's all kind of snuck up on me here. It's it's May fifteenth already. Um, okay, this question comes from Michael in Mesa, Arizona, and it's interesting because Michael makes a suggestion that actually I have written down as a possible pod to do here uh, once we kind of really get into the the slow period in the off season. Hey, Mary Kay. You, Dan, and Ashley should do a pod that ranks each team by position group in the AFC North. Well, stay tuned, Michael. I'm saying that out loud because if I say it out loud on the pod, um, it, it has to happen. Uh, so anyway, he goes on to say uh, the one position group where the Browns have or have had an advantage was at running back. Fourth quarter defenses didn't want to see Chubb and Hunt. Uh, and in his opinion, to win the AFC North, they have to be the best at two or more position groups. Uh, so. The question is, what position groups do you believe the Browns are the best in the division at? Oh, that's a really, really good question. That's <laughs> a, a tough great... question to answer off the top of your head, too. Yes, it is. It's tough to answer. Um, you know, I, I have to give them super high marks for offensive line. Um, you know, they could have the best offensive line in the division. Now, arguably best defensive line in the division. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? You know what? I, guess, I mean, I mean, secondary, you'd have to talk about that, right? Like, yeah, you'd have to talk about the secondary. Um, you know, they, they definitely have a, a lot of talent back there. I haven't analyzed everybody yet, but I, I would say, yeah, you could probably go secondary as well. Um, and, and remember, the key thing about all this is it has to all come together. Everybody's going to be learning a new system. But on paper, this is definitely the most talented roster the Browns have had since 1999. And I can say that unequivocally because they have the quarterback now to go with it. They've had other times where I thought it was the best roster that they've ever had. And it was at the time, probably. But now they've got the quarterback to go with it. I can't say quarterback yet because... You know, you're going against Joe Burrow and you're going against Lamar Jackson. So we need to see a little bit more of Deshaun Watson with this offense before we can honestly say that. Um, I wouldn't say receiver right now, because even though I think it has the potential, it really does. It has the potential to be the best. I still think you have to give that award to the Bengals right now. Right. Um, Or, you know, the you know, the Ravens are starting to. Uh, you know, really close that gap at receiver now that they've even, got 
right? Even the Steelers kind of sneakily. Yeah, I mean, they've got Deontay yeah. Johnson and we'll see George Pickens in year two. They've, they've got some guys there too. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, that one, you know, I think we need to reserve judgment. I don't think we can, I think we're, I would give that award to the, the Bengals right now. Wouldn't you, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, th- I think it's the Bengals. I think if we were doing a draft of positions, the Bengals would be the top wide receiver group. Yeah. And then when you look at running back, you know, I mean, I, I think that, you know, we can all agree that Nick is the best running back, but now they don't have necessarily the strongest, deepest room. We have to see how Jerome Ford is going to do. I think they're going to add another running back, but, you know, by virtue of Nick alone, I guess you could probably give running back to them. Um, and then when we move over to the tight end group, I think we'd probably still go Ravens uh, with that, with Mark Andrews. And yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's about it. They've got some spots where you can definitely say they are the best. Um, They're going to be better on special teams this year, but you know, we can't say best yet. You know, that's, they're not there yet, um, but they should be a lot better this year. Yeah. And I I think actually it's a little more like, I, I don't know that you have to necessarily have position groups where you're the like best everywhere, right? We talked about the Bengals have the best receiver group. If the Browns can be like second best, you know, or it, just be good enough, right? When I look at the Bengals, they're not going to have the best defensive line in the division uh, or the most talented defensive line in the division. But we know that defensive line with Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, and, you know, I know they've made some additions too. like, that's still a pretty good defensive line. So even if it's not the best in the division, that's part of a, of what should be another good defense is even though they've had to replace some parts. So I, I think the thing you said that's most important there was at the beginning, like everything just sort of has to come together and work together. So maybe the Browns don't have the best receiving core in the division, but if it works together with the quarterback and the run game and the offensive line, it, it doesn't really matter if they're the best in the division. It's just how it all comes together to result in winning games. Yeah. And I mean, it could, you know, that gap could narrow very quickly with Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Cedric Tillman. I mean, they're starting to have a nice receiving core. And again, they look at it um, as a pass catcher group with their tight ends. So when you add in Jordan Akins and David Njoku, you know, you're starting to to have uh, a nice group of weapons for, for Deshaun Watson. So if you look at it like in total like that, you know, they're, they're getting there. Okay. Um, again, that, that's on my list is to do a, a draft of AFC North position groups. Uh, this is another thing on my list that we have to do still this year. And, and I've kind of been saving these drafts for, again, when, when things slow down a little uh, and we're looking for those June and July pods, this comes from Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay, if you were a GM, and could take a quarterback off any roster to start for your team for the next five years, who would you pick? Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, yeah. when I read that question, it just felt like that's the obvious answer. So let's say Patrick Mahomes retired tomorrow. Let's say he he decided he's won enough Super Bowls and has enough money and he's going to hang it up. Mm, that Then it starts to get really, really tough. You know, it might be Josh Allen. It might be Joe Burrow. Right. I mean, it's it could be one of those two guys. I mean, there there's a I think if you asked for the number two after Pat, you would get a lot of different answers. Don't you think so? I mean, who would you say number two, Dan? Probably 
probably Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, like you said, you could make the case for Josh Allen. He he's kind of become a little forgotten because of how last year ended. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Josh Allen should be on the list. Justin Herbert should probably be on the list, even though he still kind of has to prove it a little bit in the playoffs. Lamar, some somebody out there is going to pound the table for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Jay, somebody's going to pound the table for Philly fans are going to pound the table for Jalen Hurts. There's some good young quarterbacks. And by the way, three years ago, Deshaun Watson was is very much in this discussion. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I mean, there might be people right now. And again, I think he has to prove some things, but there could be people right now uh, that might say Deshaun Watson. I mean, who knows how this is going to go this year, but it's a great question. I mean, it really, really is a great question. And, uh, and again, we should maybe throw it out there to our texters and see what they say about this. Let's say Pat's gone. Who would you take? from the rest of the pool to start for your team. I I do think it's very telling that we have to, we basically have to say that the Pat Mahomes is gone now. Cause I, I don't know if we even would have said that last year, but he certainly elevated himself to that status this year where it's just like, I mean, there was no hesitation in your answer. I knew as soon as I put the star on this one, that 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 was going to be the answer we would both give. Like, it's just a no brainer at this point. Cause what is he? 20, 27. He's still, is he even he 27? So I'm not yeah, sure. I don't, I don't <laughs> no, I'm going to Google it right now. I mean, those um, guys are so young. Yeah, he's, uh, let's see. Yeah, he's 27. So okay. Yes. Yeah. And he turns 28 in September. So still plenty of good years left for Mahomes. But the, I mean, that just shows kind of where he's elevated himself to. And yeah, by the they, way, the Browns, the Browns had a chance to answer this question last offseason, and they did it by going and trading for and signing Deshaun Watson to that contract. Yes, absolutely, 100%. And, I mean, think about it. Like, we have it, and we you, we probably don't necessarily think of Aaron Rodgers for, for play, you know, to be playing for the next five years. But who knows? I mean, he might find new life breathed into him uh, with the Jets, with all those receivers that they have, with that defense that they have. So, I mean, you know, who knows? He could be trying to get into Tom Brady territory in terms of playing until he's a hundred. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of good candidates. Okay. We are going to go ahead and leave it at that here for this edition of the Hey Mary Kay orange and Brown talk podcast. All those questions came from our football insider subscribers, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get the newsletter, become a texter and get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. And of course, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on Apple podcast and Spotify. And I don't mention this enough, but um, so many people were watching our videos over the weekend. I do need to drop Go to YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube and get subscribed uh, to that page, especially with us uh, being out in Berea uh, more often now. You're going to see some some on-site videos. And of course, we have videos off the pods every day, too, uh, that go up there. So just head to, again, Cleveland, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube uh, to get subscribed to that. All right, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.